John chapter 3, and I want to share a message this morning about the greatest gift. John chapter 3, and the Bible says this in John 3 and verse 16. This is one of the most famous verses of Scripture in all the Bible. Uh, if It's football season now. You're watching the football game and invariably somewhere in the stadium the cameras will pan across the crowd and you will see somebody holding up a sign that says John 3.16. It is the gospel in a nutshell. It is why Jesus came to this earth in one short verse of Scripture. And I want to read that verse of Scripture to you right now. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want to ask you this question this morning. If somebody gave you a $20 bill, would you take it? Show of hands, I would. Right, they get a twenty-dollar bill. Walked up to you and said, "Here's a twenty-dollar bill," and it was a nice, crisp—you know—one of those new twenties. Just yeah, it hadn't been folded, hadn't anything. Nice and crisp. So you look at that and say, "Yes, sir, that's for me. Thank you." Twenty-dollar bill. Now, if somebody said, "Look here, let me crumple it up," anybody get a crisp twenty in your pocket? No, I didn't think so. We just gave him the offering. That's a, that's good. That's all right. That's all right. You, you know, they crumpled it up. You know, kind of wadded up that crisp 20. So it's not, you know, not so crisp anymore. It's, it's now just crinkled up in a wad. And they said, you want the 20? How many of you would take it? All right. Pretty much everybody. Now, if they took that 20, wadded up, crinkled up, threw it on the ground in the dirt, and went, stepped on it, picked it back up, and said, here, you want a 20? How many of you would take it? Yes, you would. I would too. We won't go any further with this description of what they could do with the 20 because I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to gross anybody out. But, you know, money can go through places. <laughs> we don't ask questions, do we? When money's coming our way, we don't say, where's this been? Who's touched it? You know, now if you're, you're wise, you might, you might use a little hand sanitizer every now and then when you, when you get some of those not-so-crisp 20s in your hand. But you would take it. And the reason you would take it is because no matter what condition that $20 bill is in, it is still a $20 bill. It's still worth 20 it still holds its value. I've, I've had, you know, every now and then you get at one of those bills that look like they were distributed back in the 60s. You know, and they come through your pocket and it looks like it has literally made its way around to every single American in this country, made it out of the country two or three times and back into the country. And you take it and you use it and you spend it because you know it holds the same value no matter what condition it's in. Now, you may feel 
today. A little bit like the $20 bill that's been thrown in the dirt, crumpled up. You may feel today as though somebody has taken and stepped on you and and put you down in the dirt and kind of put their heel on you and that life has caused your value to lower just a little bit, that problems and difficulties or maybe mistakes that you have made, things that we have all done. And I got to tell you, there's nobody in this building today who is perfect. There isn't anybody in this room, including the dude preaching to you right now. There isn't anybody right here today who is perfect. You need to know that. And we have all been stepped on. We have all been in places where people have tried and and people around us or situations or mistakes we've made have caused us to feel as though we are not valuable anymore. But can I tell you today that you are more valuable than anything else in this world? You can look around you, all around you, and see the beauty of the lake. When you get down to Lake Michigan and you look out over the water and you think that is a place of value, but it holds not nearly the amount of value that you hold today. No matter what condition you're in today, you need to know that the love of God is still great and it's still wonderful and He holds you with distinct value above everything else. Life is unfair to people. There are times in our lives where we make terrible mistakes and we find that we can't rely on the love of individuals, of those that are around us. Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe somebody did something to you and in the past and it made you feel as though you are worth less than what God really sees you. But you need to know today that the Bible tells us That when God created man, the Bible says that it is in his image that he created us. And therefore, because of that one fact, you hold infinite value to him. Life may have been unfair to you, but you also have to understand that in its unfairness, you have never, ever lost your value to God. Today, I want to just share with you some things about this verse of Scripture this John 3.16 that is so wonderful. Because we need to know that in a day and age where people use the term love and the word love, it is thrown around so so glibly. It's thrown around in, in a way that, you know, kind of makes you... How many of you... How many of you... I'm just curious. How many of you love pizza? Come on. Me too. But did you notice how I described it, how I asked you the question? Do you love pizza? I love pizza. I, I, you say, Pastor, I know that. I can see that. I love it. I love steak. But do I love steak the way I love my wife or my children? No. It's a different kind of love. The problem is, is we're now using the term for everything. Oh, I love that. Oh, look at that building. Oh, I love that building. Well, that's not the same kind of love with which God loves us. But listen to what the Bible says here. And I want to just share with you a little bit about the reliance of his love. His love never fades. His love is completely and totally unconditional today. Listen, you you might think God cannot possibly love me. 
because of what I've done in the past, because of the things that I've, I've, I've thought, the, the, the sins that I've committed. He can't possibly love me. But I want you to know today the Bible is very clear and it says that he loves us because the Bible says, for God so loved. The love of God is something that you and I can rely on throughout the course of our lives. Paul says this in the book of Romans. He says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. This is not just the kind of love that we talk about food or we talk about the the scenery or we talk about other things. No, this is the kind of love that says he's going to do something for us even in this condition that we're in, that we don't deserve it, he is going to do something. Well, first I want you to see from this verse of Scripture, who did the loving? Because this is vitally important for all of us to understand. The Bible says, for God so loved. For God so loved. I want to tell you that it was his first thought. God is the one who initiated it. He's the one who came up with it. He's the one who put love into action. And he is absolutely perfect. And therefore, because he is perfect, his love is perfect. Later on, when the same writer of the book of John, John the Apostle, he penned others, other parts of the Bible known as First and Second and Third John in the New Testament later on, And when he talked about it, he stated that God is love. Not only was it revealed that God loved us, but that his very nature is love. And yet it's an amazing thing. We live in a world that is so full of hatred. Don't you? When you think about what's going on in the world, it only centers around one thing. There's nothing loving about what's going on in our world today. Think about our city. I I was amazed yesterday because as I saw some young people walking on the street, I I noticed that, you know, they kind of had a little bit of a tough look on their faces. And they looked a little bit like if, you know, they just, they just, life has been tough and they're still young. And they had this sort of, you know, crazy look. And then, of course, you know, when I, I started looking at them, but I didn't look away. You know how we do that in the city, right? We're, we're walking down the street. You look at somebody and you look down, right? So I, I just kept my eye on them. Not because I thought they were going to do anything to me because I wanted to let these guys know we had free hot dogs in front of the church. And so I shouted across the street. I said, we got free hot dogs right down here. And they looked at me and instantly a smile. Now, I wasn't, I, in, our, in our own way as a church, we decided we want to show the love of Jesus by giving away some free hot dogs yesterday. That was it. That was the way that we wanted to show love. And when you did that, all of a sudden, smiles would come to people's faces. Free. Well, why wouldn't, it be, why wouldn't you smile? It was free, right? There is the sense in which the world around us is full of hatred. And yet we need to know that the Bible reveals that God is love. There is no hatred in him. There isn't anything in him that would cause him to look at you and say, I dislike you, I don't like you, even I hate you. No, there is absolutely nothing in him 
that would cause him to look at you. Why? Because you still hold your value. You are still valuable to God no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how anybody has hurt you, no matter what it is that you have been through in life, you need to know that he loves you and that he cares about you. God is love. It is God who has done the loving. Well, the question is, how much does he love us? You know, we do this with our kids when they're little, when they're really little, and it's just adorable. You know, how much do you love mommy and daddy this much? And their arms go big, right? Just as wide as they can get them, and then they throw their arms around you. And that's, I tell you what, as a parent, that's all the love you need. From that little one, that's all the love you How much? You, you lo- we love you this much. Or you say, I love you to the moon and back. But then you realize there's stuff further than the moon. So you start going, you know, and then it just, it ends up, I love you to infinity and back. Problem is with infinity, you can't get back. <laughs> and I'm not a physicist, but please, trust me, I'm not, I'm not an astrophysicist. But I do know that. Infinity just keeps going. You don't come back. But I love you to infinity and back. That's how much I love you. Listen to what the Bible says in that one verse of Scripture. It says, God so loved. That so, that word so is a word of intensity. It's a word, I, you know, couples, when they're first, you know, they're first falling in love. And they're the, you know, there's the little doves flying around their heads and the hearts in between. And, you know, all of that. And it's, I mean, they're just staring at each other and they are having a blast, you know. I mean, they don't have to do anything. They're just sitting there looking at each other. And then one of them will say, I love you so much. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, Honey, I love you so much. I love you so much. That word so indicates that there is more intensity than if you had not used it. God purposely, I believe, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, caused John to write that word that we translate. He loved us so much. God so loved the world shows us that it was not a forced choice. God didn't have to love you. He didn't have to love me. There is everything about our humanity and our sinfulness that could potentially cause him not to love us, but He has chosen to love us, and that love is an intense kind of love. It is a great love. That little word so indicates that what's going on and going to come after is going to be the proof of how much he loves us. The intensity of his love is greater than any love that we could imagine from a human being. Your friends will fail you. Your family will fail you. They will from time to time let you down. Maybe you've been in a relationship that you really thought was going to go somewhere and it was going to be, you know, that was the one for you, but something happened along the way and it ended and it broke your heart. It just, you, they let you down. They dropped you. They just kicked you to the curb and that was it. But God will never kick you to the curb. He will never drop you. He will never let you down. He loves you so much that he will never ever fail you. He will never ever give up on you. You might give up on him, but as much as you give up on him, he will never give up on you. He loves you so, so much. He loves you so much. 
In fact, He chose to love us before we have ever chosen to love Him. He made the first move. He made the first move. Listen to what Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says. It says this, But God demonstrates, that word demonstrate indicates that He's showing proof. God demonstrates His own love for us in this. Now listen to this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, now you got to meet me halfway. you got to come this far and I'll come this far. No, he didn't do that. From the very beginning, God had a plan. And the plan was that he was going to deliver humanity from the sin that, that humanity, that mankind had willfully put himself into and gotten involved in. God had a plan to take care of his people and to deliver them from sin. And the plan came down to this one thing, that Christ died for us. As I see it, the ball, folks, is in our court. God has already done so much for us. I know a lot of people today, they might try to look around and say, well, what has God done for me? You know, I have a hard time trying to figure out whether or not I should serve God because I don't see anything that God has done for me. But can I tell you, and if you have a Bible in your house, I would like to encourage you to read John chapter 19. At some point throughout this week, read John chapter 19. And that will show you what God has done for you. Say, so what's John chapter 19? It's the story of the crucifixion. It's the story of Jesus willfully laying down his life for our sin. It is the story of how he has given himself freely and willingly for you and for me that we might be free from sin. Do you know that you don't have to give in to sin anymore? You don't have to be a sinner? I know a lot of people say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But you know, and that, that may be true. There's an element of that that is true. But you know what? The Bible says that he's going to make a new creation. That when you are in Christ, old things are passed away. And all things are made new, which seems to indicate to me that I don't have to bring the old stuff along with me, the old sinful nature, the old sinful ways. I don't have to carry that baggage with me anymore because I'm now a new creation. I'm now new on the inside because of what Jesus did on the cross. God proved how much he loved us. He said, I love you so much. For God so Love the world. I want you to not only see the reliance of his love, but I want you to see the reach of his love. Because this is where it really begins to meet where we are. We know that we could rely on his love because the Bible tells us that he is love. But really, can he reach where I am? That's the question. Can he really reach down to where I am today in my situation? The Bible says this, God so loved the world. He so loved the world. Now, that word world we know is all-encompassing. We feel a little bit overwhelmed when we think about the world, but you need to also understand that God is not more concerned about you here in America today than He is about those in China today. 
that he is more concerned about you in your situation than he is about the, the vast expanse of those who live in Russia. That he is not more concerned today about you than he is about anybody who lives on the continent of Africa. But he is concerned. He so loved the world. Now, I realize that might seem overwhelming, but you need to also understand today that his love, this indicates that his love knows no boundaries of culture, politics, race, color, or social class. It reaches where human beings can't or won't. The love of God reaches to children who are dying by starvation, to families divided by civil war that is tearing apart their country, to tribes of people still living as though the modern world doesn't exist. His love knows no boundaries. You might think, well, because our politics is, has been known to include God somewhere in ancient documents like the Declaration of Independence or the Bill of Rights or whatever it might be, that somewhere along the way we've included God, we therefore are a Christian nation. And so God is more concerned about America. No, I tell you today that God is concerned about the entire world today. He loves this world because He made mankind in His image. He is concerned today about those around the world <clears throat> where culture and politics have drawn lines and called them national boundaries. God's love is not pushed back or kept out by those boundaries. I remember back in 1991, I had the privilege to travel to the country of Cuba. Uh, and it, it seems like it's slightly more relaxed these days. More Americans are, are allowed to go, especially if they have family there. But back then, we went under the auspices or the guise of the Pan American Games that were taking place in Cuba. And went into Cuba, and I, you know, I know it's a communist, it's still a communist country, and I had these visions in my head that I had sort of made up about what, what Christian life was going to be like in a communist country. Maybe it's all the stories we heard about what, what took place in Eastern Europe, the underground churches there, and the underground churches in Romania and Russia, the USSR at that time. But I went into Cuba, and as we, we went to this one church, I was shocked. I, the, the, the missionary that I was with used to be a missionary there before Castro took over. And when Castro took over, he had to leave the country. And so when we walked around the corner and we were getting about a half a block away from the church, I said to, to Brother Paul, I said, Paul, what, what is that? What's that noise? He said, that's a church. We could hear it from a half a block away. And I think in the back of my mind, I thought, well, it's going to be real quiet. Everything's going to be really hushed. And the closer we got, the louder it got. We came around the corner and we saw people on their feet. They were praising God. They were worshiping. They were, they were just giving their best to the Lord right there. Where, where, you know, Castro kicked out missionaries. He couldn't kick out God. Even in, in some of these countries that the communism fell, many of them in Romania... It is, it is a known truth that 
that part of the reason why the communism fell there was because there were dedicated Christians who were praying for a change to happen and something to happen that the nation might open up to the gospel. It opened up to the gospel. Listen, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, friends that are here today, you need to know that none of these places God was less concerned about than He is with you. He is equally concerned about every part of the world and he knows no boundaries. The question is, why does he love the world? It's really simple. So simple, in fact, you say, well, of course. It's because the world needs love. The world needs love. They need his love. It is the one basic human need. We need food. We need water. But can I tell you today that what will change somebody's life it might be a meal, but a meal will only get you through the day. But love will last a lifetime. Love will change a person's life. And his love will change somebody's life beyond what you can imagine. A few years ago, there was a song that became a hit. I want to know what love is. I may remember that one. Uh, you, yeah. Listen to the radio, you hear it all the time. I want to know what love is. Well, you know, the Bible actually has the answer to that. Did you know that? The Bible says this in 1 John 4.10. It says this, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The idea of an atoning sacrifice is that He died in our place that we should have died for what we have done against God, but instead he said, I'm going to take your place and I'm going to die for your sin. He, we know what love is and he is love. The world couldn't have known what true love is without God's sacrifice. And his love is unconditional. But there is something else about this verse of Scripture that you need to know, and it is this, that... It is all-inclusive. You say, well, the world is all-inclusive. Yes, but how many of us from time to time feel a little alone in the world? A little lost. From time to time, we feel a little alone, like, like we're in this big world. And I know it seems smaller because of travel, because of technology, and all that we have, the modern age that we live in, but there are times where we feel just a little bit alone. Like nobody really understands what we're going through but I want you to see that this word that is found here in this verse of Scripture, for God so loved the world that whoever, whoever, that word whoever, brings individuality into this verse. It kind of takes us from being part of a mass population and it brings us to be an individual that God is concerned about. You might be sitting here thinking, well, we live in a big city. This big city, God is concerned about the city, but I'm a little lost in the city. I'm a little lost all by myself. Nobody really can understand or identify with me or know what I'm going through or feeling today. But I want you to know that when the Bible says whoever, it means that God specifically has his eye on you. That he cares about you as an individual. You don't have to feel that as though you will get lost in the crowd and that somehow this doesn't mean you. It brings individuality 
in this verse of Scripture where we feel overwhelmed by the world, the whoever says, I got your address. God has your address. He knows exactly where you live. He knows exactly what's going on in your life today. You see, we believe in a God who is not only all-powerful, but that he's all-knowing. And that because he is all-knowing, he knows exactly what you are going through today. And not only does he know it, he cares about it. He cares about you today so much. He knew enough to say, I'm going to put my hand upon this person's life today and draw them to this building today. I want you to know the love of God is so great. God states very clearly in his word that he loves us. You might be thinking, he loves me? I want to assure you that the part of the whoever mentioned in this verse means he loves you. He absolutely loves you. No matter what you have done, no matter how bad you have been, no matter what things have happened in your life, don't begin to think that those things have devalued you in the eyes of God. They haven't. No, your value holds to God. And today he loves you more than anything that you could ever imagine. He isn't shocked by the things that you've done. There are things that we have all done in our past that, you know, we wouldn't want our neighbor to know. We wouldn't want our loved ones to know about. We keep secrets from people because we don't want them to know all of our business. But do you know God already knows all your business? And he's not shocked by any of it. God does not look down at us and say, Oh my goodness, I didn't know that. He isn't shocked. He doesn't look at us and say, I, I, You know, that's too heavy for me. Too much. I, I'm not so sure. Maybe you've got to go see a, an expert. No, God's the expert. He is the one who will look down at you and take care of you and say, I love you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how many people have stepped on you, you need to know I love you and that I care for you. Not only do I want you to see the reliance of his love, and I believe with all my heart that we have hopefully seen as well the reach of his love, but the final thing that I want you to see today is this, the result of his love. The result of his love. See, there's one big problem in all of this. And it is this. That man has separated himself and alienated himself from the intense love that God has for us. There is a problem. It's called the sin problem. And I know that the world does not like to look at, you know, this idea of sin and talk about it anymore. We don't hear a lot about sin Sadly, we don't even hear about it in many churches today. It's about making us feel better. Your pastor, just I'd be happier if you just make me feel better about myself. But the only way that you can truly feel better about yourself is by admitting that you are a sinner and coming to Jesus Christ. Not to me. There isn't anything I can do to change your life. Nothing. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ can change us. Listen to what the Bible says. Paul wrote these words that the wages of sin is death. Sin has gotten in the way and has brought the, the thing that we dread the most into the world, death. We know that it is by one man's sin, the Bible says, Adam's sin 
that death came into the world. It is as a result of man getting his hand in the things and saying, I want to do it my way. I want to live my way. I was reading about an interview that was done by Jack Nicholson, the actor, who uh, a few years ago did a movie uh, with Morgan Freeman called The Bucket List. You know, all the things they wanted to do before they kicked the bucket. But Nicholson was doing a, an interview with somebody about the movie. And he said, you know, when I was younger, the, the philosophy was be your own man. Do your own thing. Just live it up. It doesn't really matter, you know, how you live and what you do. He said, but the older I have gotten, the more I realize how silly that was. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it written down what he said exactly. But he said, I've, the older I've gotten, I realize how silly that philosophy is. And he goes on to say, and this is why we fear death. Even Jack Nicholson, who always appears tough and in control in all of his movies, he says, this is why we, he was part of the we, we fear death. Sin came into the world and it brought death. But I want you to know that the Bible tells us this, the result of his love is that of defeating death, that he has overcome it. The proof is this. The Bible says he gave his one and only son. This is how much God really loves you. This is how much he really cares for you. He gave his one and only son. This is both the proof that he loved us and the provision for taking sin out of the way. And in doing so, we no longer have to live under the fear of death. We don't have to be afraid because the Bible reveals in 1 Corinthians 15 and at the end of the book of John and at the end of the book of Matthew and in Luke that there was a resurrection, that Jesus was raised to life and he was raised to life to give us hope. What we say has to be backed up by the actions or else it means nothing. But God proved how much he loved us. He backed it up by action, by sending his one and only son. If you're the kind of person who says, you know, talk is cheap in this day and age. You know, you can, you can say a whole lot, but it's about what you do with, with what you're saying. I want to tell you that is absolutely right. God didn't just say how much he loved us. He showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son to this earth. He sent Jesus to die in our place. That is why we believe the Bible teaches that in order to accept the love that God has for you, you need to accept Christ as your Savior because he was the expression of the proof of how much God really loves us. But I want you to see the power and the result. The Bible says this, and this is amazing. This is a, probably the best part of the verse. The Bible says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want to tell you today that that is absolutely real. You say that's a, that's a, that's a myth. We don't last forever. But I want you to know that when God created mankind, he created us to last forever. He created us body, soul, and spirit. We know that the body is subject to death in this life. We understand that somewhere along the way it's going to happen. 
somewhere along the way, we know we're not, this body is going to, you know, might get older, or something tragic might happen, but we will not last in bodily form forever, but our soul and spirit continue to live on. One day, if you know Christ, you need to know there is also the hope of the resurrection of that body, that you will be brought back to life once again. But listen, the Bible says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The power of God's love is shown in what it does for us. The Bible says here, whoever believes in him, that is Jesus, as the expression of God's love and the provision for man's sin problem, will not perish. Quite literally, you will not die in an eternal death, which the Bible calls hell. But instead, you will live eternally with Christ. Say, Pastor, you're trying to prepare me for something today. Yeah, I'm trying to prepare you for eternity. Because eternity is a long time. It's a long, long time. And the Bible gives us the revelation that if we believe in Him, we will have everlasting life. I want you to know, the older I'm getting, the more I realize, you know, the body breaks down and it doesn't quite heal so quickly and fast and all of that. But, you know, we, we, we understand the temporary nature of this life. But it is about then that we must concern ourselves. We're worried about health care today. We're worried about all kinds of things. We're concerned about the things that concern us in this life. And that's okay. But I want you to be concerned about what will come next. What will come later on? What will come when they're now having your funeral or memorial service? What will happen then? That is what we must be concerned about because I want you to know that God is concerned about it. He said, if you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. Romans 6.23, the first part of it, tells us this, the wages of sin is death. We've already read that or talked about it a little bit. But there is another part of that verse, and it's the good part. It's the positive part. It says, but the gift of God. You don't have to do anything to earn it. So what do I have to do to earn God's favor? Absolutely nothing. There's nothing you can do or I can do to impress God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, as a believer, we have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of eternal life. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to live under that fear. And you don't have to be afraid. Well, what about all the things that I've done? Will God really forgive me? Oh, he will absolutely forgive you. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, it tells us this. It lets us know that if we confess our sins with our mouth, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. There isn't anything that he leaves out. There isn't anything that he says. Now that thing, I can't really forgive you. I can't really cleanse you because that's too bad. No, there is absolutely nothing that is too bad for God to forgive and to cleanse. He will cleanse you, wash you clean, and make you new. You need to know his love is so great today. I'll close with this. Northwest Airlines Flight 225. Uh, had crashed just after takeoff from Detroit back in 1987. 
killing 155 people. Only one person survived the crash. A little girl at the age of four from Tempe, Arizona. When the rescuers found this little girl, they did not believe that she had been on the plane. They thought that maybe she had been a passenger on one of the cars on the highway onto which the airliner had crashed. But when the passenger list was checked, this little girl's name was found. She survived the crash as the plane was falling from the sky. This little girl's mother had unbuckled her own seatbelt, got down on her knees in front of her daughter, and wrapped her arms and body around her daughter and would not let her go. Nothing could separate that child from her mother's love. Neither tragedy, nor fall, nor the flames that followed. I want you to know today that that is the love the Savior had for us. He left heaven. He lowered himself to us and covered us with the sacrifice of his own body to save us. I want you to know today that you are here today because of the love of God. You are on this earth today because of how much he loved you. You are here because his great love said, I'm going to send my son to this earth and I'm going to let his arms be spread out and him die on the cross so that you and I don't have to die for our sins. That is how much he loved us. I wonder if we could have every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder if the musicians could just come right now. Play that chorus that we were going to sing but did not earlier. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. And as they're coming, I want to just ask this one important question today. And it is this. What have you done with what Jesus Christ has done for you? He died on the cross for your sins. And yet the Bible reveals to us that we need to believe in him. That believing is more than just a head knowledge. It's more than just saying, well, yeah, I believe Jesus lived. There are a lot of people who believe he lived. But it's more than that. That Jesus gave his life for you. That he died on the cross for your sins that he took your place. I wonder today, there might be somebody here, maybe you feel like a little, a little like that, that $20 bill that's been dragged through the mud. You look at it and on the surface you might think that's not worth much. But then you pick it up and you realize, well, this is a $20 bill. As dirty as it is, it's still worth a 20. You need to know today they, though you have been dragged through the mud, maybe you have purposely put yourself in a position in life where you've made some bad choices, some mistakes in your life. You need to know today that you still hold your value to God. 
that he loves you. Today, I wonder if there is anybody in this place today who is yet to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And today you would say, with anybody else in this building, in this similar position, you would say, today I want to give my life to Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, out of respect for those who are visiting with us, anybody who might be here that does not know Christ as your Savior, but today you want to give your all to Him, would you lift your hand right now and just take it down? Nobody's going to come to you and ask questions. Nobody's going to come to you and say, well, what's going on in your life? You need to give your life to Jesus today. Yes, you can put your hand down. Anybody else in this building? Anyone today? We want to pray with you. We want to let you know that we love you, that God loves you. I hope today the Lord has helped me to make it clear to you how much he really loves you and cares for you. Anyone else in this building today? You need to give your life to Christ. And you would say with this one who lifted their hand, I need Jesus in my heart. I need Jesus to come into my heart. I want to live for him. I want to serve him. I want to give him my all. He's done so much for me. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this moment leave you. Because who knows when you'll have another like it. Say, well, pastor, do I have to be in church to give my life to Jesus? Absolutely not. You could go home this afternoon, kneel down at your couch, and ask Jesus to come into your life right then and there. It doesn't have to be in a church. It's just we're here and there are people around you who can pray with you. That's all. We want to lead you to Jesus, lead you to the kingdom of God. He's done so very much for us. Can we stand to our feet right now?